Good morning. I was uh, talking to, to first, we had a disproportionately large first service. Uh, usually uh, that service tends to be a few more people. I was like, what is going on? And uh, someone told me that uh, the Illinois, University of Illinois is playing at 1115. I was like, so I, I told them, I said, listen, you can know while you're tuning into the game that there's a group of people gathered worshiping the Lord. <laughs> so they know, they know it. Um, they didn't find it as funny as you did, but, um, and, uh, but yeah, we're, 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 glad, uh, we're, we're glad that you're here, Illinois fan or not, we're glad you're here. And uh, we'll probably, we'll have you in time to, to see some of the game. If you're, if you're not watching uh, Illinois, you probably should be. They're really, really good this year. So um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray and uh, then we'll uh, continue on in the series just this week and next. Uh, and then uh, we'll Easter and then uh, we're gonna be starting a new series called Settlers and just talking about some things were necessary in the last year but we don't wanna settle into those things. We wanna uh, live the life God has called us to live. And just as kind of people are starting to come out and we're moving forward a little bit, you know, things are starting to, to feel kind of optimistic. Uh, we just wanna be reminded of, of what the Lord is calling us to. So uh, let's pray and then uh, we'll get into it. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Jesus. We thank you uh, for his example and uh, his sacrifice. And um, Lord, you've held nothing back in, in terms of, our salvation, and, and so we don't want to uh, we don't want to hold anything back from you. So help us not to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, you can tell a lot about what's really important to you by the nature of what you hold back. And so this isn't as much of an issue when you just have one child, but when you have two children, uh, stuff becomes kind of a big deal. We have a uh, we have a nine year old and a three-year-old, and a nine-year-old is at the stage, Sam, where uh, you start to get pretty protective of your stuff, uh, and our three-year-old is at a stage where she doesn't care that he's protective of his stuff, um, and so it creates conflict, right? It, it just does in our house, and so we had developed a couple rules in our house. One of them was uh, that Sam's Lego table is off-limits, uh, to Lila, our, our three-year-old, uh, that it's kind of dangerous for her to play with that anyway, and she really shouldn't be doing that. So Lego tables off limits, and then bedroom, his bedroom is, is off limits. So we've kind of said to him, hey, if something's really valuable to you, if it's really important to you, bedroom, right? Because if it's on the main floor, if it's on the floor, Lila's going to pick it up and she's going to play with it, and there's no reason to have conflict, right? Just bedroom, it goes in the bedroom. And so it's been really interesting to see kind of what's uh, important to him, um, what he didn't know was important to him until she picked it up. <laughs> I thought that was not important to me right until the moment she picked it up. And then I realized it was the most important thing in my life. Um, and uh, so it's just been kind of interesting to see that play out on uh, what he does with, we kind of call them sacred items. You know, what, what, are the, what are the sacred items in our house? So if you have your Bibles or phone or whatever, uh, Genesis 22 is uh, where uh, we're going to be. And Abraham and Sarah, if you've been uh, here uh, for much of this series, you know that uh, God made this promise to them in Genesis 12. And they've been kind of waiting on God to fulfill this promise for an heir that God is gonna establish a nation through their family. Uh, they, they had no children. And so a large part of the Abraham story is them kind of helping and prodding God along with an heir. And then a couple chapters ago, we learned that that heir was gonna come 
uh, from Abraham and Sarah, being a natural child, even though they were 100 and, uh, 100, and then Sarah was 90. Uh, even, even though that was the case, they were going to have a child. And finally, Isaac is born. Uh, the son, uh, the child, the kind of chosen one, um, this, if you, this, don't take this the wrong way, but kind of the sacred item, you know, sort of thing, the ultimate sacred item. And, and the story we're going to look at today is a, a story about are Abraham and Sarah going to hold back their son or does everything belong to the Lord? Uh, and this can be a difficult text to digest and figure out. And so we're going to just kind of walk through it uh, together a little bit. But here's Genesis 22. Uh, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son. All right, now obviously we know Abraham also had Ishmael, but this is Abraham and Sarah's only son, uh, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac, Uh, When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, uh, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he, uh, he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac uh, spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and lay him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out uh, his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called uh, the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain, the Lord provided it. All right, so let's talk for a minute about what Isaac kind of represents to Abraham, all right? And why this is such a big deal. I think, first of all, uh, we see in the text that this is, Uh, the son he had was Sarah, the only son he had, the son he loved. Uh, And so certainly we see in the text that uh, this is somebody that Abraham deeply loves. And if you're a parent, hopefully you understand this, right? (laughs) Right? You you love your children. Now, we we didn't wait uh, in the the 20s of years, right? But we waited a good long while for our children. Some of you know our kind of adoption story. And I was 35 uh, when Sam was born and 41 when Lila was born. And we waited. And so we kind of understand the, the waiting and then the child comes. And I know when Sam came, it was like nobody in our family had ever seen a baby before, even though there had been babies, right? Just, everybody was really excited because there had been an element of, of waiting. And so this is a son. Abraham loves his son. And we don't need to belabor the point. We all understand that. Um, he's someone that represents the future to Abraham, all right, so Isaac represents Abraham's future. That This is how the promise is going to be fulfilled. This is how God is going to bless the entire world. This is how it is going, uh, this is how our future is going to be achieved. 
right? And some of us understand this too. There is someone or something that kind of represents in your mind, especially as you get older, uh, that represents your legacy and your future. For a lot of people, it is kids. That man, my kids are gonna carry on my name. Uh, My kids are gonna carry on my legacy. My kids represent my future. So I'm gonna be remembered by my kids. Uh, For some of you, it's your job. And it's like, man, if I do my job right, uh, I am gonna bring about some blessing to this company into the future. I'm gonna bring, bring about some blessing into the marketplace. If I do my job right, my job can be part of my legacy and people remember my, my contribution for years to come. For some, it's money. That's like, man, this money that I saved and kind of carved together, that I'm gonna bless this organization or I'm gonna bless this person or I'm gonna bless these people. And it's like your money is a way uh, that secures your future that people are gonna remember me because of this legacy I've left. For some of you, it's property. And it's like, man, when my kids uh, go to this place or they wear this necklace or they wear this ring or they, they have this kind of moment of looking at this thing that I left behind and they'll remember me. This property or this ring represents my future, my legacy moving forward. And this is Isaac. Now, imagine being asked to give it up. Imagine being asked to put it on the altar and sacrifice it. And this is the test of Abraham. Will, he's received this incredible blessing from God. Is God in charge of the blessing or is Abraham? Will he give up his security? Will he give up his future? Will he give up what he loves simply because God asked him to? In other words, here's the question kind of behind this story. Is God really in control of everything with Abraham? And we've seen Abraham struggle with this issue throughout this series. We're going to talk about that more next, next Sunday, but we've seen Abraham struggle with faith and giving God control over everything. We've seen him struggle. Uh, we know he had a hard time with this. And when we read this story, uh, we tend to ask the question, we put ourselves into Abraham's shoes and, and we say, man, would I? And for most of us, obviously the answer's no, but that's not really the best question because this is, this is a specific test of Abraham. In other words, we don't see anybody else tested in scripture uh, in this way or in the same way. And the other thing I would say is God never intends for Abraham to sacrifice his son. It was clearly a test. We know that because God stops him from doing it. So I would say if you're ever having these thoughts of, man, God's calling me to this same thing, I've got two words, family counseling. (laughs) Forthwith, the church will help pay for it, right? Family counseling, right? Because this is just a unique situation, a unique test of of Abraham, the right question is not, would I do this? The right question is, how am I doing it? How is God testing me in in the same way? Because I know two things about you. I know that you've been blessed, like Abraham has been blessed, you have been blessed. God has blessed you. And And here's the second thing I know, that just like Abraham, God has commanded you in regard to that blessing. So I know there's two things about every single Christ follower in this room. God has blessed you, to be certain, he has. And God has commanded you in regard to the blessing. So if you're married, God has blessed you with a marriage, right? That's, That's a blessing from God. But God has commanded you in terms of how to do marriage best. If you have children, God has blessed you with children. Children are a blessing. We get so excited when people around here have kids because children are a blessing. God has blessed you with children, but he has commanded you in regards to how to raise those children. Uh, God has uh, blessed you with a church family. 
but God has commanded you in how to interact and be a part of a, a church family. God has blessed you with a job, but God, you, you get the point. God has blessed you, but God has commanded you in regard to those blessings. And the question of this text is, does God have full control over those blessings? He's blessed me. He's commanded me on how to use them. Have I given him full control or am I holding back from him? Am I, am I not being obedient to him? Am I not trusting him? Because here's what we, don't, what we don't want to happen. You don't want the gift. Right? God has gifted all of us. You don't want the gift to become God. You don't want the gift to become God. Right? Because gifts make terrible gods. Right? Your spouse is a gift to you. That's the way it's designed to be. Your spouse is a gift to you, but they make a terrible God. They are not equipped to do it. Your children are a gift to you. They absolutely are a gift to you. But those little kids, they make terrible gods. Right? Do not make your children gods. They make terrible ones. Your job is a gift, but do not make it your God. Do not make it your everything. God is your everything. Keep God as your everything. And you could point to all of these examples, right? So we have Abraham, uh, which is kind of a radical, kind of strange test, right? Because we don't see anyone else tested in that way. We don't see any other examples in the Bible of that. But there is actually another kind of New Testament style Abraham test that I want to tell you about that I think works uh, just as well. And it's the story of the rich young ruler. Uh, So this uh, rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds with kind of the perfect answer. He says, no one's good but God. So he's already kind of teaching this guy a little bit of the gospel. He's like, hey, you're looking for a what must I do to be saved? And what you should be looking for is a person to actually save you. So he says, you're looking for a what, you should be looking for a who. But this guy uh, is not getting the lesson. And so he says, you know, no, Jesus, what good thing must I do? And Jesus says, well, if you're absolutely looking for a what, I can't stop you from looking for a what, obey the commandments. Obey the commandments. And what Jesus, I think, is hoping is that this guy's going to be like, well, I can't do that. So clearly I need a savior. But he's not getting it. And so he says, well, I've kept all the commandments since I was a child. He's delusional. (laughs) Have you met children? (laughs) (laughs) nobody's kept all the commandments since they were a child, right? He's delusional. And so he says, all of these commandments I I have kept uh, since I was a little boy. And and so Jesus is like, well, well, that didn't work. So here's what I'll give next. I'll I'll say to him, all right, sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. And now surely this guy is going to see, I can't achieve righteousness on my own. I need the righteousness of the Savior. I need the forgiveness of the Savior. And instead, you know what the text says? He went away sad. He went away sad because money was his security. Money was his future. Money was the the blessing had become God. The gift had become God. And he trusted it more than he trusted Jesus. This was his Abraham moment. What might yours be? What might yours be? Maybe it's a dating relationship. And there was a time where it felt like a blessing and you really do care about them, but you know marriage isn't in the future. And the question is, will you hold tightly onto the gift or will you follow your God? Maybe for you it's money and God has blessed you financially and you know you are called to be a blessing to others, but generosity is hard for you or giving is hard for you. And the question is, will you hold tightly to the gift Or will you trust the one who gave you the gift? Will you trust the giver? 
Maybe it's career, and at one time that career was a blessing to you, but you know God is calling you to, into a different path. You know God is calling you into a different occupation, but it scares you, it terrifies you. You just don't know what to do. Will you hold tightly to the gift, or will you hold tightly to the giver? Is everything on the altar for God? Will you follow him fully? And in a way, I think we're kind of tested with this multiple times a week. Uh, will I trust God or am I going to hold tightly to the gift he has given me or will I hold tightly onto him? We have a bunch of Abraham moments in a week. And here's what I want to say. Thank God for his grace, right? Because we see in our story uh, so far, X, or uh, Genesis, excuse me, 12 to 22, we see how uh, Abraham routinely kind of failed at this and didn't get it and, and held onto the gift and, and instead of holding onto the giver and he falls, he falls short. But in this moment, we, we see him nail it. We see him fully trust God and he takes his son up onto the mountain. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I, I like to believe that there's instant replay in heaven, all right? And there, there are several things that I'd like to see the instant replay of. This is one of them. This is one of those scenes that I'm just kind of curious about. As they're walking up that mountain and you see Isaac kind of look at his dad and say, hey, where's the lamb? Got the firewood, we got, we got all this stuff ready to go. Where's the lamb? And Abraham, I picture him saying it with a tinge of hope. Abraham says, well, God will provide the lamb. I don't think he said it in a like, real creepy way. God will provide, you know. I, I think it was with a tinge of hope. His eyes choking back tears as he reaches for the knife. The overwhelming relief when he hears the angel say, don't lay a hand on the boy. And the word that is used to describe Abraham in this moment is, now I know you fear God. The Hebrew word here, it can mean uh, revere, worship, honor God above everything else. Now I know you fear God. Now I know you're holding on to God tighter than you're holding on to the gift. And the gift that God gives us is best enjoyed. That, that way. Here's what's so amazing. If you look at verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, I, I love this, but I swear by me, declares the Lord, uh, that because you, have, uh, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I, guys, I love this so much. Because <laughs> he says, your future and the future of your kids, and the future of your grandkids, and in this case, the future of the world, it is going to look different because you chose faith. Because you chose to walk in faith, Abraham. Because you chose to hold tight onto me. Because you chose to treat the blessing as exactly what it is, a blessing that God is in ultimate control of. Because you chose that, your kids' lives are going to be changed. Your grandkids' lives are going to be changed. Your family is going to be forever changed because you decided to follow me. A family legacy has been altered because of your decision to walk in faith. And I think of my own family. I've told you this story before, but my family, there's kind of a long, real long line of alcoholism in my family uh, on both sides, but in particular the Higgs side. And one Sunday I had just been born kind of in the crib in the house, my parents tell me. And one day a church was going door to door 
And they came up to my parents' door. We lived in the middle of nowhere. They're going to door to door. They knock on that door and my parents answered and said, we just wanted to invite you to church. And my parents took a look at them. They looked at me in that crib and they said, we need Jesus. This kid's gonna be trouble. We need Jesus. And so they decided to go to church and I am telling you, my life has been changed. My sister's life has been changed. Sam's life has been changed. Lila's life has been changed. My sister's kid's life has been changed. Someday their kid's life will be changed because of that one decision. Because of one person's decision to say, man, we've got these two gifts that God has given us, but we're gonna manage them the way God has called us to. And we better get to church because we're gonna need God's help to do this. That one decision altered an entire family legacy. And the same thing can be true for you as is for my family. That one decision of faith, not even monumental decisions, just like, we probably ought to go to church, we got these kids now. One decision, one decision to, to walk in faith can absolutely change a family's legacy. It absolutely can do that. So I want you to think about that in terms of your own life just for a minute, that, that you think about your marriage. And that's the thing that you have held back from God for a good long while. You make the decision today to say, no, 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 we're, we're not holding this back anymore. We're going to do marriage God's way. That one decision, then your kids see the way their, your marriage has changed. Your grandkids see the way that your marriage has changed. And a family legacy is altered because you decided today to do marriage God's way. Or, or raising your kids, you say, man, these little, these little kids, they're super cute, but they become gods in this house. Right? We, we got to do child rearing God's way. We, we, wanna, we want God's best for our kids and we got to give God control, not the eight-year-old, you know, that sort of thing. We, 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 we got we to change some things. And that one decision to raise your kids or to raise your grandkids God's way, they see it. Your grandkids see it. Everybody sees it. And a family legacy is forever altered. Worship. Say, no, we're not, we're not just doing the Christmas Easter kind of thing. Right, we're we're, we're going we're gonna to re-engage with church. We're, we're going to go to church on a regular basis and your kids see it and your grandkids see it. And all of a sudden, the potential for blessing in your life is real. All right? You'll be blessed by doing marriage, family, finance, all that stuff. You'll be blessed. But I want you to think about your kids and your grandkids and them seeing you make a decision to walk in faith. And a family legacy is forever altered because you decided to trust him. So what is the thing for you that's like, that is never going on the altar. God can have this, this, and this. There's no way he's getting this. There's no way he's getting dating. No way. There's no way he's getting finances. There's no way he's getting my kids. There's no way he's getting, there's no way he's getting this. What is the thing? And I just want to encourage you to not have the gift be God. You're treating, this thing, you're, you're treating it as though it's the most important God in your life. And I want to encourage you, to put it on the altar and hand it to God and say, whatever, whatever, however you want me to manage this, whatever you want me to do, command me, Lord, because I want to do this absolutely your way. And if you do that, I'm telling you, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed by giving God control. But your family legacy, your family legacy, your family history will be changed and transformed and made new. I... My uh, parents went to church, and uh, they started going every week. I, I always say that uh, when, I, when I was growing up, you, some of you will remember this, but when I was growing up, it was like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, 
And we, like, we were just there every, every time. They were washing the windows. We'd take up our pew and watch, you know. My, my, it was super important my parents to be there. And my grandfather was observing all this. My grandfather, he was an alcoholic for a good chunk of his life. And he's just observing this. And one day he starts to have heart trouble. Uh, and so he calls my dad. And he says, hey, will you and the family pray for me? He was really scared about potentially the end of his life. He said, will you pray for me? And we absolutely did. And he ended up kind of coming out of that heart stuff okay. He was in his early, maybe like mid-70s and gave his life to Christ at that age. He gave his life to Christ in, in, in his mid-70s. And I watched this guy that struggled with alcoholism and other issues for his entire life. I watched him read through the Bible uh, every single year, never miss church, absolutely on fire for God. And so I know uh, some of us will, will look back and hear a message like this and we'll be like, man, alive. You know, it's too late for me. I'm too old or I've made too many decisions or I wish I were full of regret. You know, I'm 45 and with my kids, I already have some regret. And maybe you're the same way. You're like, man, I wish we would have done this, this, and, and this differently. And here's what I want to say to you. Don't dwell in that land for too long. Because here's what is true for you and here's what is true for me. You absolutely cannot change your past. You cannot. You can apologize for your past. You cannot change your past though. What you can do today is chart a new future. And this is absolutely the, the, the story of Abraham. Think about Abraham for a minute. This great moment of faith that we're studying right now where he's got, he says, God, you can have everything. How easy would it have been for him to say, oh yeah, but I remember Egypt and I remember Lot and I remember all of these failures in my past. It would have been easy for him to walk in that, but you got to shake that off because you can't change that. All you can do is chart a new future. And I'm telling you, absolutely, one decision today, one decision this week can alter a family legacy forever. But it's going to take us not holding back from our God, who is good, but instead offering things to him. Saying, command me, Lord. Command me. I, I want to, searching his word, command me. I want to raise these kids your way. I want to do marriage your way. I want to do career your way. I want to do finances your way. I, I want to hold nothing back from you. And you know how Abraham got to this point? Because we watch, we tend to think, we're going to talk about this more next week, but we tend to think of faith as like just a straight line. Like there's this magical moment you decide to put your faith in God and then everything's just moves in a perfect line forward. It's like, oh, you know, I'm always walking in faith every single day. And what we learn from Abraham is it's more like this, right? There's a moment of faith where you put your faith in God and then you might go up to the mountain and then you have kind of a failure and you're in the valley. What we learn from Abraham is that he repeatedly gets up and he continues to move forward. Um, it, it is absolutely not that he was perfect, but you know how he gets to this position that he's in today where he's fully trusting God, maybe for the first time with everything? The book of Hebrews tells us, it's on the screen for you. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and, in so, uh, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. It was his belief in a good, gracious, providing God that allowed him to have this moment of faith, where he said, man, God, everything belongs to you. It was a moment of that God could provide for him. God could raise Isaac from the dead. You know what's really interesting about this? 
is that the first mention of anyone being raised from the dead in the Bible is in the book of Kings, way after Abraham. He had absolutely no basis for believing this. He had no, he had no history. You know, we have a history of, of a few people, not a huge history, but a history of people being raised from the dead. And so it would be reasonable for us to think this. Abraham had no such history. But he had faith in a generous God. He had faith in a gracious God. He had faith in a providing God. And he finally gets to this place where it's like, all right, God, I trust you in everything. I trust you. And so I am going to move forward in my life with you. And I'm telling you, when you begin to take steps forward in faith, in every area of life, when you do that, it will be because you believe in a generous, grace-filled, providing God. Right? It will be, you begin to take steps forward in your parenting or your marriage. It will be because you're like, man, God, you love my spouse. You love my kids even more than I do. I absolutely trust you and your word and your will when it comes to raising them. Or God, when your finances, I absolutely believe that if I give this away, you can provide more. So it's your, it's your belief in a providing God that allows you to move forward uh, in faith. And I want to encourage you to have that mindset about God, to believe in his provision, to believe in his grace, to believe in his goodness, and to begin to take these steps forward. We're, we're not holding back from him certain areas, but he has everything. He has every bit of us. Say, whatever you call me to do is what I want to do, and you'll be changed. When you learn to walk in faith, you'll be changed. Your kids will be changed. Your grandkids will be changed and a family legacy will be forever altered and that's a good thing. We're gonna receive communion together and it's this moment where we kind of get to celebrate that when it came to our salvation, uh, God held nothing back from us, right? Uh, Some of the uh, verbiage of this text should remind us a little bit of the New Testament. Your son, your one and only son, whom you love. This is how God uh, describes Jesus. And there's kind of two ways uh, to kind of interpret this text in light of the gospel. One is where uh, Jesus is Isaac, right? And he's the son, the one and only son whom God loved, uh, that, that, God, uh, God, uh, uh, that Jesus gave himself up as a sacrifice for, for our salvation. That's one way to view it. The, uh, and that's perfectly legit. The other way to view it is where we're Isaac and we're escaping death because of the lamb in the thicket, right? And so Jesus is the lamb in, in that interpretation of it. And, and both are correct, but Jesus is the lamb and we were on the altar of death and we escape it because of the sacrifice of the lamb. But either way, we get to celebrate right now the sacrifice of Jesus, God's one and only son, whom he loved, that gave himself up for our salvation And so it's just a reminder to us as we celebrate this every single week, it's a reminder to us that he held nothing back from us, we hold nothing back from him. He held nothing back, we hold nothing back. Everything belongs to him. Uh, And so I'm gonna open this up with prayer, leave a little bit of time for you to just spend with God, um, and uh, then uh, we'll, uh, we'll receive communion together as a church family after a little bit. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his grace. You've held nothing back from us. May we hold nothing back from you. 
May you have control of every area. And right now, your spirit would convict us if there is an area where it's like, well, I don't really have that. You've kind of tucked that away where you, you, don't, you don't want to put that on the altar. You don't want me to control that. And whatever that is in our lives, would you just convict us, convict us of that right now? Allow us to repent and ask for your forgiveness and leave this place absolutely committed to giving you control. All these prayers and requests we want to lift up to you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. His body given for you. His blood poured out. His son, his one and only son, whom he loved for your salvation and for mine. May we hold and keep nothing back from him. May he have everything, every area. And may we learn to walk in faith as Abraham did. It's not gonna be a straight line. Don't have that expectation. That's just a moment of faith, straight line. It's ups and downs. But every single time Abraham gets back up, when he's on the mat, he gets back up and he begins to walk forward in faith once again. Hey, uh, God bless you guys. You have a great week. We're gonna close out the series uh, next Sunday. And uh, then I'm really, really looking forward to celebrating Easter. It's gonna be a great celebration. So you're dismissed. Have a great week ahead.